Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode number 112. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I am thrilled to have Dave Clare, the self-proclaimed prophet for purpose, the self-proclaimed prophet for purpose. Hey, listeners, if you haven't already listened, there's a blooper reel somewhere, who is on a mission to create and inspire 90 million purpose-driven leaders. Welcome, Dave, and sorry it took so long to get to that, that welcome for you. Uh, absolutely. My pleasure to be here. And you know what? If I want to be on any reel, it's a blooper reel. <laughs> oh, I had such a great time putting together the first blooper reel. I am looking forward to putting together the next because, I mean, as as podcast hosts, we just, you know, we, we try to make things look perfect. But as I've said in numerous episodes mm. so far, this is a positive productivity podcast, not the perfection podcast. So what a, you know, yeah, that's a great idea to yeah. focus on productivity, not perfection. Oh yeah, and just hearing the cat fights and everything when I was going through the raw, raw files, it was incredible. <laughs> but, uh, enough about me. Let's talk about you. Would you mind sure. sharing more about you and what you are doing with the listeners? How much time do we have? Oh, as much time <laughs> as you would like. And listeners, I need to share really fast. And I, I'm sorry to keep on taking the, the light away from you, but Dave and I met, what, a few months ago? Yeah. Uh, through LinkedIn. Link, or, yeah, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. It was LinkedIn. Yep. And we had a virtual coffee call and morning my time, late, late evening, your time, Dave. And we, yes. If memory serves, we both were approaching the call I think you were trying to get to bed and I was trying to get to work and we both, we chatted about it during our call that we were mm. not going to be terribly disappointed if the other one canceled and neither of us did yeah. cancel. So we got on the call and what was supposed to be a half hour ended up being about an hour and a half or two hours. And it yeah. was just so amazing. So I'm going to give the light back to you and shut up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. And it was amazing. It was one of those calls that like, for the listeners out there, if you ever think, oh, we should have recorded that, that, that's all fine in hindsight, but it was one of those calls that we probably should have recorded right at the beginning, uh, which would have been great. But nonetheless, we're here now. So me, yeah, Dave Clare, the self-proclaimed prophet for purpose. I've said it numerous times. So I don't get tongue twisted. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I see myself as a leader uh, of a new generation. And my my background is uh, long and varied, but certainly a lot of work, uh, banking and finance, private public sector, not-for-profits, uh, worked with a lot of organizations under some amazing leaders. I was a business coach on my own for about five years. I was a licensee of an international leadership and organizational development company for about five years. Um, I'm an award-winning coach, and uh, my clients more excited that I've had so many award-winning clients, which has been fantastic. Um, so I spend a lot of time working with organizations and people on becoming purpose-driven and creating invincible cultures uh, that thrive uh, on innovation. So that's pretty much a lot of the work that I do with people. Uh, and you know, I believe that if you um, leadership is simple, you lead people, and that's that's the space that I tend to work in. And with that, of course, there's a lot of work within productivity, which I facilitate an entrepreneur development program, which we were just doing a, se a session tonight on. Uh, productivity for entrepreneurs. So uh, it's one of the key things is getting, you know, how to do more with less uh, to achieve your goals and achieve, you know, the difference you want to make in the world. And with me, like I have a mission to create and inspire 90 million purpose-driven leaders. I need to darn well be as productive as possible to make that happen in the window of my life I have left to do it in. Oh, yeah. So I'll give so you that as a, yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> what do you do to maximize productivity? Okay, so um, 
couple of pearls of wisdom. So if your listeners have pen and paper ready, they better get ready because I'm just going to espouse a bunch of stuff and it might be worth writing down. Um, certainly from a productivity point of view, uh, to listen and think and act all at the same time, especially as a man, not easy. So I always encourage people to have a piece of paper and a pen or pencil or, or type it in your phone, whichever way you want to do it in digital age today. But how do I be productive? The very first thing that I get clear on is certainly from my mission is breaking that down into my goals of what it is that I want to accomplish. Um, you know, if, if 90 million leaders is who I need to reach out to, if I broke that down and reverse engineered that to uh, what do I need to do in the next 12 months, what do I need in the next six, next three, next one month, for example, what do I need to do right now? Um, you know, so I, first thing I do is I reverse engineer my goals. Then I, I take a look at it and say, what is the best use of my time and much as I was sharing with the entrepreneurs tonight is what are the things that I must do that will move me forward the, um, and, and getting a very clear sense of definition of what it means for me to be productive within that mission. So first thing to do is get a very clear sense of what are the outputs that I need to be working on in the next three, six, 12 months. And then what would be the best use of my time or inputs that I would have to maximize those outputs? Because to me, productivity is simply defined as uh, outputs over inputs. Right. So I look at that for myself and say, well, then the inputs are my high payoff activities, as I learned in my days. Um, so I work at what are the highest payoff activities for me? The, you know, the big rocks in the jar analogy. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but the old story about the big rocks in the jar. So I work at what my big rocks are from a productivity point of view. And then I what I call paint those into my time picture and using simple things like the Pareto principle. Uh, the 80-20 rule. So 20% of the things that I do will produce 80% of the results. So if I get very clear on what those 20% things are, which are my big rocks, I identify those, block those times out to make sure I do those in my calendar by putting them in first and stay focused on those things because then it's all built towards the end goal. So it's kind of a system or a process about it. Um, and, and then I still allow myself um, creativity and innovation in my own schedule and freedom to think with what I call planned spontaneity as a separate issue. Since, so that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely makes sense. And I really appreciate how you say what you're going to do. And that's something that has drastically changed for me since we spoke last, since we chatted last, mm. I have drastically reduced the I tries or I will try from my vocabulary. Awesome. Be and I didn't realize how much I said it until we were chatting and then I've caught myself a few times I'll try and it it's really is Yoda do or do not there is no try so I'm not trying anymore yeah. I'm doing that's good and you know and once again for this this thing um it's people can argue with Kim that it's semantics and it's just words and, and like okay but to me, try gives you a mental loophole to say, you know, I gave it a fair go, but it didn't work out, and it's okay. Right? Um, whereas I'm going to do this is a different level of commitment. That's all. You know, to me, it's like it's I'm going to do this, and I know I'm going to face obstacles. I know I'm going to face, you know, problems and all this sort of things going to happen and challenges along the way. But I'm going to, you know, hell or high water, I'm going to make this happen. And it's just a different level of commitment, I think, to yourself when you try something versus doing something. What is the timeline that you have decided? Uh, I'm see, I'm not saying trying. Decided that yeah. you are going to create and inspire ninety min, ninety million purpose-driven leaders in. Uh, great question. I myself, like I'm, uh, I, I probably don't sound it, but I'm in, actually next week, I'm 51 years old. And I think now that I probably have about a third of the way through my life. So you do the math, I expect to live to about 150. I think the millennials will find a way for me to live longer and longer and longer. Um, so you know, what could be 20 years, 30 years, I, I probably have at least a good solid 20 or 30 years to reach that 90 million. Now, having said that, uh, if you look at some examples in the world, there's people and their businesses that have reached numbers like 90 million in 12 months. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I'm a firm believer, as I set my goals, I mean, that's certainly what I want to do. And I, I work back from that and thinking, what is the, the you know, the minimum, you know, if I could achieve more with less. So how could I get to 90 million or more within a shorter period of time? 
I'm always challenging myself in that space to think of new ways to do that. And I'm sure we'll talk about my book is, you know, that's certainly one thing for me is like, I look, I can go one to one, I can do one to many, or I can do one to exponential uh, in the sense of how I can reach out to people. And with that, I also want to be very mindful within this timeline of reaching out to 90 million people that I'm not doing it in a very diluted way. I want to really make sure that I'm creating and inspiring or creating or inspiring the 90 million people, not just, you know, a little spark or a little buzz for somebody for a little period of time. I, I want to shift the thinking. So that that could take 20 years. I could probably reach 90 million people if I want to do with really smart marketing tactics and strategies in 12 months if I wanted to, but to do it at the deepest level that I want to accomplish it at, that may take longer. Right. And so I don't put, I don't put that necessary pressure on myself to say, well, I've got to reach 90 million people within two years. Yeah, I don't think there needs to be a pressure like that to any no. part of our life. No, this is my life mission. This is my life's work. This is my, uh, you know, if I sat down and said, you know, what am I here to do? This is what I'm here to do. I've worked it out. I'm fortunate enough to be where I am in life now to have worked it out. You know, some people's like, I'm still not sure what I want to be when I grow up, but I know what I want to do, <laughs> right? I want to, I want to create and inspire these purpose-driven leaders because it's what the world needs most right now. And just as a quick sidebar, that uh, this is if anyone's out there searching for their purpose or to understand what they're here to do is if you look at all the things that you do well or that you're jazzed about or get excited about, Kim, that really, you know, I say turns you on or whatever way you want to describe it, what you love doing the most, what you would do for nothing. And then you look at what does the world need most, or when I say the world, it could be your part of it, um, where those two things cross over somewhere at that intersection will be where your purpose lies. And that's what I found for me, because I, I really got jazzed when the business owner got a real clear sense of why their business got, or got re back in touch with why their business existed. And I saw the changes in them and their teams. And then when I looked at what's happening in the world now with all the money that's being spent on leadership development and we have disengagement rates going through the roof, I'm thinking, well, there's a distinct lack of purpose-driven leaders. I get excited when people find their purpose. Bang, I am now the prophet for purpose. Do you remember when you had that aha moment? Uh, when I came up with the official title, if you like, the self-proclaimed title, was probably only about two years ago. But I've always, purpose was always my thing. But I, well, actually was, I remember a couple of years ago, I sat down and I said, I really need to crystallize this for myself uh, because, you know, I love working with people on their business purposes and getting back, in, in, as I said, in touch with why they started it beyond money because, you know, businesses need money, but that's not why they were started. We need oxygen, but that we weren't born to breathe. Um, so I thought, okay, I really understood that. But I, I sat down and someone was talking about to me about, you know, I just want to do what I love and get paid to do what I love. And I'm not, and I said, you know, and I was working for a not-for-profit at the time. And I said, you know, one of our things is to raise money as a not-for-profit doing what we love doing and putting that money back into the community so we have like a profit for purpose. And I'm like, oh, hang on a second. And then I researched the word profit in the sense with a PH, not an OFIT. <laughs> um, and I said, well, profit is a, uh, an inspired teacher or leader of a cause or a calling or a movement. And I'm like, hang on, if I become that about purpose, then I'll profit from my purpose. And then that's how it all came about. Oh, I love that. And I hadn't even so thought you, about I hadn't even yeah. thought about profit F I T versus Yeah. So I mean I, I knew yeah. how you spelled yours, but I wasn't even thinking yeah. about the, the other word. I'm finding it mm. interesting though that my businesses got started because of the need for money and it's trans Yeah, let me try this again. It's transformed into mm -hmm. a new business. Uh, the Kim Sutton brand and positive productivity where it is about purpose. And now that the, yeah. now that the shift has gone from wanting to make income to wanting to make impact and mm. listeners, no, I'm not, you know, I'm, it's probably not what the bank or the, you know, my credit score would want to see right now, but it's so much more fulfilling. And I found that when it's fulfilling, everything works out. Yeah, you know, if you look at, uh, and I would challenge your thinking in that space to say that, yeah, it may have been about your forefront of your mind might have been about making money first, but you could make, you could have done anything you wanted Kim to make money. You chose to do whatever it was you you started with as the vehicle to make money. 
So why did you choose that vehicle as the one to make money? Wow, that's an interesting thought because at the time I thought my two options were working third shift in a gas station mm -hmm. or, or starting my business. I mean, I'm college educated, but I needed a second job because I wasn't doing what I'm, you know, what I'm educated yeah. in. And just due to the, where I'm living, it really wasn't an option. But that is a very interesting way to look at it. So thank mm. you. And yeah, I can't well, use that. Say. Hey, I wish I was <laughs> recording that now because, hey, <laughs> I am recording. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, it really was exciting. The possibility and the option mm. and the realization that I could work from home with my husband right by my side and see him all day and not just have to wait for lunch hour or a couple hours in the evening to see him. So, hmm. wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's why just to anyone, the listeners out there, just to just be, you know, a lot of people will tell you that they've started this because I needed to make money. And I said, that's great. I don't, I'm not denying that. But why did you choose that to make money? That's the question we want to start asking ourselves because you could have done anything to make money. If you're really desperate to make money and you just wanted to make money, you could have got another job somewhere else or done something, uh, you know, and that's why I'm very careful when people go out there and once again, we're talking about positive or productive thinking is, uh, you know, if you just want to make money, be very careful. You'll end up making money, right? But then you'll end up with a hollow victory because you'll feel unfulfilled and all that and that money will go away just as quick as it came. Oh, because absolutely. It's, because it's you know it wasn't you know it was out of need and then what you you're challenged by that as well because I don't know if you find yourself but a lot of people I work with who have that mindset at the moment I said well when you go out to try and make a sale because they're trying to make a sale because they're not actually doing it. because what they're doing is they're actually trying to make their money instead of actually helping a customer by you know go go help a customer go do that and this is where I help people shift from trying to doing okay is go hang on a second if you actually go and make it about the customer and not about you, because when you're going there because you need money, you're making it about you. If you're going to help that person because you want to see them achieve their success and you know you can help them do that, you'll make money doing that. I can doing hear a that, whole not... bunch of wows from listeners right now. <laughs> okay, so this is shifting the mindset from trying to doing is also looking at, am I doing this for the customer or am I trying to make money? Oh, absolutely. I want to circle back around to something sure. that you just said, because in our virtual coffee that we had, you said the same thing and it blew my mind then. You just brought up productive thinking versus positive thinking. Can you yes. discuss that further? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I, I'm, I don't mind positive thinking. You know, it, it would be lovely if the world was all positive. But to me, positive thinking is much like going, don't worry, it'll all be okay. We put on our rose-colored glasses. Things will be better. Tomorrow will be a nicer day. The sun will shine, which is all lovely stuff. Um, but what that does is that almost denies what's happened, and we mask what's happened and just hope that tomorrow's going to be better. Or we'll put on a new smile tomorrow. We'll start all over again tomorrow, which is great, and we'll go forward. And not that that's better than negative thinking, so don't get me wrong. Um, but what I work with people on is productive thinking. Because you know what? In life, and I'll try not to cuss too much here. Um, so, like, crap happens, right? So stuff's happened. And you can try and mask it all you like. Or a productive thinking goes, hey, this has happened. What I need to do is how do I interpret that and then how do I choose to deal with that to move forward from it? I'm not going to deny that it's happened, but I'm going to make sure I interpret it in the right way and learn from it so that it doesn't happen again or find the lesson that I was supposed to learn from that happening anyway and then deal with it. So productive thinking goes, crap's happened. How do I interpret it? How will I deal with it? Move forward. Positive thinking goes, don't worry, it'll be okay tomorrow. We'll forget about it and we'll hope that tomorrow's a better day. Absolutely. And I, and I have been implementing that as well. I've been getting rid of the tries mm. and implementing productive thinking along with yeah. positive thinking. I won't deny that. Yeah. But yeah, Don't deny the lesson or deny the thing that, you know, we're, we're all uh, products of our mistakes. You know, have you never made a mistake in your life, Kim? Oh, I've made plenty. And right. I've learned and from have, them all. Yeah. And some of them took me a little longer to learn them from the others. Oh, um, yes. but, um, but that's made me who I am today. So by putting a positive mindset on trying to deny all that or hide it or mask it going forward is, is saying, well, hang on, that learning process of who made me who I am today, 
I'm not going to not going to utilize that anymore. And I'm like, well, hang on, why would you want to do that? Like you, the whole point is to acknowledge what's happened and interpret it, why it happened. And, and then you can make better decisions dealing with it moving forward. And I don't know if we talked about this in the one we didn't record, but there's, um, I, you know, to me, it's there's reacting to something or responding to something. Oh, can you discuss that further? But before you sure. do, listeners, yep. I know Dave said, get out your pen and paper, but if you are driving or if you weren't able to get your pen and paper out, yeah. you can get the show notes and the full transcription at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP112. Okay. Yeah. Please. If you're driving right now, do not get your pen and paper out. Right. <laughs> please pay attention to your driving, but keep your ears open. Um, yeah. So reacting and responding. So once again, this is about choice. Reaction is without thought. If someone does something or says something or something happens and we instantly, the automatic pilot in us responds to it, sorry, reacts to it, right? Whereas the response goes, hang on, something just happened, something transpired. I'm going to think about it for a second, interpret it, and then I'm going to make the calculator the right response to it. Okay, so whereas, like I said, a lot of people react to stuff and they just, without thought, they just react to it. And I'm not saying that, you know, we're human beings, we're emotional creatures, I understand people react. But sometimes if you just take a breath, Think about it for a minute and saying, hang on, what's the best way to respond to this? You ever had someone say something and they really got your back up and you wanted to just go blah, back at them? Oh, more than a few times. Right. So that's reacting to what someone says. It's typically if someone pushes you, you want to push back. Instead of saying, hang on a second, why are they pushing me? What's going on here? What am I missing or what am I not seeing? Interpret, then choose the right response. Now, I'm not saying that response, the right response might not be, might actually be just to push back, but at least... Don't just react to everything that happens to you in life. Well, what Responding is, the, is different. Yeah. One thing that I found to be extremely helpful is when they're – and it, it doesn't always work so well when you're speaking to somebody because, I mean, you, you want to snap your fingers and just come back right away like you were just discussing. It can be a little bit harder mm. to hold your breath for a moment and think. But mm. with emails, I've found that it works really well to – Click reply, write my response, and then save as draft, and then come back to it in an yeah. hour, a couple hours the next day, and then decide if that's really what I wanted to say. And that has saved my butt more than a few times just by not saying Absolutely. Right and sometimes it pays to get a non-biased person to read your your what's in your email before you send it to so someone who's not emotionally attached to it. Okay. As well, like subject to content of the email, of course. Uh, and then it's funny you bring this up because I had this exact situation uh, happen uh, with one of our strategic partners, at the organization that I'm uh, I'm with. And, and I, I well-crafted, I, we, we had some problems. I spoke to them verbally about it. I go back to the office. There was another thing that transpired. And I'm like, okay, this is, a, this is enough. And so I put some very simple points down. And, you know, um, there was a little bit of emotion in which is fine. But I, I send it there because I was a little bit frustrated and I did let them know, look, you know, I put a couple of jokes in it as well, lighthearted, because they are still valued uh, strategic partners of the organization. I said, this, this this isn't right. This needs to change. And I sent it there. And then within like five minutes, I got a response back and it was very reactionary. Like it just it didn't take time to say, hang on, let's take a look at this information. Uh, I'm not saying I was right and he was wrong, but I just it was interesting to see. I put time and thought and energy. I'd already had conversations. I've gathered my thoughts together, and I'd sent it off. And then what I got back within five minutes was reactionary responses to everything. Not well thought, not anything like that. It was just, you know, push, push back. I remember when I left my ex-husband... I actually downloaded an app for my cell phone that would send an automatic response. Thank you. I've received your message and I will get back to you because I wanted to be very careful about the responses that I sent. Hmm. It, it saved my, Absolutely. It, it saved me a few times because yeah, we can get ourselves in trouble when we react. Yep. <laughs> yep. I would love to talk about your book bit. Sure. Yeah. Would you mind sharing please? About your yeah. Book? All right, so my book obviously uh, is one of the key vehicles that I have or the way I can get um, my message or my beliefs about leadership out to those 90 million to help create and inspire those 90 million uh, purpose-driven leaders. It's pretty much me spilling my 
blood, sweat and tears of learning uh, in my leadership journey through life uh, and taking that and bottling it all up uh, and being able to pass that on to other people uh, to help them look at things differently. So the reason I've, I've been asked to write a book by a lot of my clients for a long time about leadership, but I didn't. I resisted for a long time because I didn't want to just be another Me Too author on leadership. And there's so many great books already out there on leadership. And until I could find my voice and my message within all the leadership stuff that's out there, I did not want to put pen to paper and just become part of all of that. And, you know, once again, timing is everything. As I mentioned earlier, I truly believe that leadership is broken right now. Leadership is in crisis mode. Um, when we spend $50 billion annually on leadership development around the world, $15 billion alone in the United States, and that's on university books, training programs, you name it, anything designed to develop better leaders. And then when other organizations do the studies on the global human capital and trends and things like that, and it's, it shows that the disengagement rate in employees has gone up to 87% of people working in different in, in organizations, um, you know, like how can we be spending 50 billion in one spot to make it better and it's getting worse? So to me, it was like, okay. And what's missing is once again, purpose-driven leaders because purpose is what engages people in the business. Um, so the premise of my book is that leadership is simple. You lead people. What's wrong right now is I think what we call leadership in many organizations is actually management. Because leadership is about leading people. It's an art. Management is a science. It's about taking care of resources. Problem is we treat our people like resources and we wonder why they're disengaged. So the leadership that we're training people on, I think, is to teach them how to lead people or treat people like a resource. So my book is about getting back in touch with, uh, as a leader, our job is to create more leaders, not more followers. If you want workers and followers, well, they'll be replaced in time with technology and automation. If you want creativity and innovation and stuff, that comes from human beings and creating a culture or an environment where they're free to think. So my book is called Simplified because I think leadership is simple. You lead people. So I've simplified leadership as much as I can uh, and take people on a bit of a journey to first things first is understand human behavior. Because if you're going to lead people, then you need to understand how people become who they are so you can help them become who they want to be or need to be in the future. Uh, and once again, so if your job is to create more leaders, it doesn't necessarily mean more organizational leaders. What I'm talking about is helping people become better leaders of themselves and their own lives. So I want to help people to do more, be more, and have more in life. That means I want to create more leaders. Um, therefore, that you know, why my definition makes you a leader if you're helping other people become more leaders in themselves. So take them through that and then show them how to take all those individuals and put them together in a group of people and call it a culture of an organization and the three key things that people want in life. And listeners and, and yourself, Kim, you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. I think that three people are looking for three things in, 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 in life or in business. Uh, and that is, first thing is something to believe in. And that's a purpose, right? So, you know, why am I going to work? Why am I doing this? Uh, you know, and, and that is what engages people. If I understand why I'm doing something, I'm engaged. Uh, and, you know, I'm a firm believer, everybody wants their lives to be more meaningful. So our job at work then is to give them work that is meaningful. So that is about creating purpose and helping people understand why their job matters. And then the second thing people want is uh, something to believe, sorry, someone to believe in. So we got something to believe in, now they want someone to believe in. And that is a leader who has an inspiring vision of the future. Is, you know, I wanna believe in somebody who's going somewhere, has a bigger picture of the world than what we currently have today. Uh, so they're looking for that. And then that is about having the vision which inspires people. Okay, so now I've got a purpose that's engaging people. I've got a vision that's bigger than ourselves that is inspiring people. And then the last thing that people want is someone to believe in me. All right, so I want someone who believes in me. And that is by creating a set of values that the organization can have that you can truly empower your people to make better decisions from. And that they can be trusted and have responsibility to be accountable for the work that they do because they're making the same decisions through this, or sorry, decisions through the same filters that you would as the leader. So I have a purpose that engages me. I have a value set of values now that empower me to make better decisions and a vision that inspires me by having something to believe in, someone to believe in, and someone to believe in me. 
And that's the premise of the whole thing of my book is then taking each of those things, breaking it down, and then wrapping it all up in what I call the circle of organizational leadership, which is my radically cool new organizational structure, because what's wrong in organizations today also is we're still working on those hierarchical, silo-driven, you know, top-down pyramids. Uh, everyone hates pyramid schemes, but, you know, 90-something percent of the people in the workforce actually work for one. It's called a company. Um, and we can turn it upside down. We can put whatever way you like, but we lose and we squish creativity and innovation out of that. But we also dilute the vision, purpose, and values of the organization down through the layers. So my circle of organizational leadership, which would be pretty hard to I'll articulate it uh, for people listening, is if you imagine everybody's like the knights of the round table sitting around the round table, and in the very middle of that table is the customer-centric purpose of the organization. And then as you work out from that to everybody is all the values of the business. And there we are all sitting around this table, and every single person in that team now has a direct line of sight to the customer-centric purpose of the organization through the values of the business. And that's everybody. So. In you know the organization that I lead, I'm just as um, you know held to account to the purpose and the values of a business as our trainee receptionist is. I get paid differently. I have different responsibilities, but I'm we all have a direct line of sight to the customer centric purpose through our values, and we're all on the same level. So there's no dilution of that anymore. So sort of take them on that journey, wrap it up in a structure, and then show them how to create a greater customer experience. Uh, because in the end, if your purpose doesn't serve your customers, then it's not really your purpose. So like I said, in a long story short, that's the premise of Simplified. I take it and break it down to these really simple steps and take you on that journey to become a purpose-driven leader. I wish I had your book in hand back <laughs> when I was working in more than one of my past employer's offices. Because I wish I had it too. Yeah, because I can think of several who were not leaders they were managers mm -hmm. and there i mean you had to leave for a doctor's appointment for a day or a half a day or an hour well okay mm -hmm. let's let's dock you right for yeah. a half day of pay or a day of pay even for an hour and yeah. because that's just the way it's done and i don't care about you as a person but mm -hmm. i know you're going to work your butt off but i don't care i'm still going to dock you i mean it, yeah, you you need to care about the organization, but we don't have to care about you. Right. You right. should be thankful we've given you a job. Right. And it just, I had never until just now thought about the difference between a leader and a manager. And that mm. was mind-blowing. And then I was also sitting here thinking about how, I, I don't know what I've really thought about leaders in the past. I think my mind has expanded greatly in the last year because I have seen a lot of that leadership development. Uh mm. I've, I've seen it going around and it's made me think a lot more about it. And also um, I've watched Simon Sinek's uh, Ted talk more than a few times. Yep. yep. And, but I've never really thought about even, I mean, you can take this whole model even down to elementary schools and the way that a principal or a teacher is impacting students is the same way. Uh, Absolutely. And I was going to ask you before you gave your awesome explanation about, you know, in this day and age of where so many companies are taking their offices out of an office and having so many remote workers, but you mm. summed it up so well, it doesn't matter where your team is. You can lead no. and your your team can be in a different galaxy as long as yeah. you have those three. That's right. And with the circle of organizational leadership, it, it, I guess uh, if you listen to Simon Sonic, so he's got his golden circle, which he talks about, you know, leaders start with why, then how, then what. It's pretty much the organizational structure is pretty much laid out in the same way as that is we start with why, why does our business exist? How do we go about doing that in the sense of how do we think around here, which is our values? Uh, and then what is it that we do? There's the roles all tied to the goals of the organization, because it's really important for uh, listeners to remember that goals dictate structure, not the other way around. Um, so with the goals of your organization, then you say, what roles would we need? So the circle of organizational leadership allows for agility and flexibility, uh, not only in the ability to move and turn with the changing of goals and things like that without compromising purpose or values or the vision, but also allows for mobilization of the workforce. So it doesn't matter where you are without diluting those three things. And, uh, you know, whether it's a philosophical model or an actual physical structure, the organization that I lead 
um, we have it set up as a physical structure. It is set up that way. And then, you know, this team then has a cell that breaks off of that or attaches to that. Um, you know, and it's it just makes for leading the organization so much easier if we can get our egos out of the way. Because for me, once again, as the leader, my job is to help those other people become the best versions of themselves through the work that we're doing while they're with us. So I actually care and give a crap about them as human beings, not just as a means to the end for us to achieve our profitability goals. I cannot remember the statistic number, but I know there's a certain percentage of businesses that fail, I believe, within the first five years. And it's not a small number. I, I think it's like 80%. No. I could be very wrong. Please don't quote me. There's a, there's a massive number in the first year and then second year and then by the fifth year. Uh, yeah, if it would be over 50% quite easy that I think a whole chunk of them actually fall away in the first year, to be honest. But now is that because of it could be, you know, wrong product, wrong market, wrong time, or just poor leadership. Um, yeah, or a combination of all of the above. I would love to see somebody conduct a study on that. And what mm -hmm. did they have a purpose? What was their purpose? Was it impact or income? And how were yeah, they? Right, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be a fabulous survey uh, yeah. and study. Hey, all I can tell you right now. It, please <laughs> link back. And again, it's uh, thekimsutton.com forward slash PP124. I would love to see a results of a, a survey or a I would like too. That. If anybody has that, put it up there. I'd love to see it. Because, you know, but if you look at a lot of the research that's done these days, companies that have, that start with a purpose uh, are the ones who are becoming more profitable these days than the ones that are just focused on shareholder value. Um, you know, I could, I could go into a whole slew about this sort of stuff. That, you know, uh, for me, I'm more interested in customer value first because that will drive shareholder value. If you focus just on shareholder value, you'll cut, you'll chop, you'll do whatever you do as they do it, did in the 90s and early 2000s to improve shareholder value, but ended up diminishing customer value. And all those great businesses perceivably have all been gone by the wayside while new ones have started up with a, who are just focused on delivering customer value. You know, and then to me, my first customers are my employees, my team. Because if I want the, them, if we want to provide extraordinary service to our customers, then I need to provide extraordinary service to them so they experientially know what that feels like and means so they can deliver that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was just thinking there needs to be a, a altered definition, I think, of ROI, return on investment. Because I th yeah. think a lot of people look at it purely as profit. Hmm. And with the FIT spelling, not the P-H-E-T, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. What income, what's the revenue as a result of what they put in? But if Can we're we looking at your Can we return on inspiration or something? Or Yeah, if we look at it, that's hmm. awesome. I think hmm. you just coined it, you know? Ah, I, I actually have... You, uh... you see, like, you you know what, your, yeah. what you want your ROI to be. It's $90 million, Yeah. You know? So I have a thing, you know, the old profit and loss statements. Oh, you know, yeah. So we all, yeah, right. So I say uh, that going forward, I will call them purpose or lost statements. Purpose or? Lost. Lost. Yeah. Wow. Statements. Because, you know, it's uh, poor financial performance of your organization doesn't cause a loss of purpose. A loss of purpose will cause poor performance or financial performance in your organization. So you're on purpose or you're lost. Hey, Dave, what's your Twitter username? Because I can hear a whole bunch of listeners wanting to tweet that out right now. Okay, it's uh, at profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, four, as in the number four, purpose, P-U-R-P-O-S-E. This would have been one of those moments that I'm so glad we're recording. And I, I have already <laughs> checked four times to make sure that the recorder is working. Listeners, it happens. My recorder doesn't work sometimes. But hey, this, yeah, this that, is that real would have life. Been one of those like, oh, I wish I was recording right now. And yeah, I know so you that, hear it all the time. So, uh, Well, you know, I, I say it myself. There's so many great conversations. And, uh, you know, to just to segue back to when we first had our very first conversation is we both said we don't know where this is going to go, but we're you know, willing to learn about each other and what each other's doing and 
uh, just to, hence the purpose I would imagine of a, a virtual cup of coffee. You know, so listeners out there, don't be afraid to go and have dialogues and learn about people because you'd be amazed at what you learn. But have your phone ready to record. <laughs> agreed. Definitely agreed. I would like to ask one more question about your book. Yep. What has your writing practice looked like? Have you done it when it feels right for you? Have you set a timeline for when you try to reach certain milestones? What does that journey look like? Yeah, a great question, actually, uh, because I'm not a writer, per se. Uh, if you haven't picked up now, I'm probably more a speaker. I do a lot of speaking engagements. And so I started out writing and found it very difficult. Then I started recording stuff and having it transcribed. So I did a bit of that. Um, and I you know, mind mapped every, all the chapters out and everything like that. And actually, if I could show you on my wall in my office here, I've got it all up over my wall in my office and... Um, but I'm, so I've been writing, forcing myself to write in certain parts, but then I know when I'm in that zone, I go back and review it. So, uh, to, to, you know, to make it really sing some of the parts, if you, if, you know, so I, I just block out time to do the writing, right? This is once again about being productive. So I've got time blocked out when I do writing and I, I write, whether it's good or bad, I don't question it. Like you say, you know, I'm not focused on perfection in that stage, but when I'm in really, in a really, you know, inspired mood about something, I'll go back to that chapter and I'll go reread that chapter. I'll highlight it because I printed out, make notes, and then I'll go back and rewrite it. So I'm kind of editing as I go. So I'm allowing inspiration to come back to it, but using uh, a plan to structure and write it as I move forward. So I'm not sure if that makes much sense, but that's why I've been doing it because I have no clue on how to write a book. I've done some reading on how people write, but it, the way, and this is interesting, so best practice for writing a book would say you do this. But best practice is for that person in that scenario and that thing about that stuff and that worked for them. So I can look and learn from that, but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be best practice for me. So all I can do is say, this is me, this is who I am, this is how I write, this is um, how my brain works, and I have, what I know about myself, my self-awareness is very strong. And I know that if I just at least put all my bits and pieces down and come back when I'm in the zone, I can enhance that chapter afterwards or that paragraph or that page or that. So I start with a framework, fill in the stuff and then come back and fancy it up afterwards. And it's just, I've probably got about two chapters left to tweak and adjust. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting process for me. It's probably been about 12 months in the making, if not more, um, because I actually did have it titled as something else. Then I hired a book co coach and, uh, he helped me to see some things that I didn't see and made me change the title of the book and everything. What it made me suggest that I should. And it made really much sense. As soon as I made the change in the title and got back to that, it was like it's the progress since then has been amazing. Something just didn't feel right. I don't know if you ever worked on anything, Kim, where you're working, you're plowing through it, but it just doesn't feel right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So my productivity, I was I was doing the right things at the right time. And we can quickly talk about actually, you know, uh, my uh, circles of productivity there as well. But the, uh, what I myself, you know, I was being productive to an extent, but I just didn't, something just didn't feel right as I was plowing through it. And that's when I, the book coach and he just knew how to ask me questions. And it was quite funny because when I go and present and do my speaking engagements, my speaking engagement has always been called leadership simplified. And my book was titled something else, and it had a whole, it was more like a gimmicky title and all that sort of stuff to it. Uh, it was quite quite cool. I'm happy to share. It was called Leader Strip. So I was stripping down how to lead people on purpose, and on the cover was a picture of me on a stripper's pole, um, oh, that's fully hilarious. dressed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it is quite funny. It was fully dressed. Actually, we had to do a photo shoot. I went to a person with a pole dancing instructor and, and the whole thing, but that's a whole other story for another time. But uh, we a photographer took all that. We got the cover, and uh, but. I didn't want this book to be a fad. I didn't want it to be seen as a fad, you know, or it's one of those, you know, who move my cheese. Not that, you know, they're fables, they're great books, um, fish, all these really um, cool things. I wanted, the, this is a legacy book to me. This this book is, you know, it's about reaching out to 90 million people. It needs to be a legacy. It needs to have um, something that can stand the test of time. And so he said, well, hey, why do you present like that? But then you call it this. 
you know, and then we tried to play around the title. He said, if you could just come up with one word for the book. And I said, well, simplify it. And he goes, bang, that's it. Wow. I'm looking yeah, at my so, bookshelf right now. and what, Looking where you put it? <laughs> yeah, there's a space right there. I see it. But I'm actually looking at a num well, any of the books, and they are. They're, they're not simplified, obviously, because that's your book. No. But one-word titles that aren't putting them into a certain... Now you're making I'm somewhat thinking about my book right now. And what I found though is that it, it doesn't work for me to schedule my to schedule mm. my writing time because I find that if I'm not inspired to write right then I can find fifty zillion other things to do. Absolutely. Which are a, a sure waste of time. Um yeah. well and I only say that because I'll I'll be scrolling news channels that I never even go to just looking to be inspired. But when I do find the inspiration, then I can sit down and go right at it. But I've found that for my blog and for my book, it needs to be just like you said, it, well, how, how you were talking about when you're, when mm. your moment is there and yeah. you can come back. Yeah. That's been great. I would look, um, you just mentioned, what did you say? Circles of productivity? Yeah. So I just want to share that with just uh, maybe one of the last gold nuggets we'll leave with people or the, the mic drop moment. Um, is it, I've asked a lot of people, you know, I'm a firm believer that time management is BS, right? Um, and I, I've been a pontificator of, you know, we need to stop the glorification of busy, much like the word try. I hate when people say, hey, you going? Oh, I've been really busy. Anybody can be busy. Right? Busyness isn't good for business. That's a clearism. You can put that down. Yours, you can tweet that if you like to. Busyness isn't good for business. All right. And so when you look at that, you know, this. you come home at the end of the day, listeners, and you, your partner goes, oh, how was your day, dear? And you're like, oh, I was so busy today. Oh, well, what did you do? Oh, I don't know. Geez, the day's gone by. I was, oh, just, you know, and you can't even think about all the things that you did today. Uh, and instead of saying, hey, it was a really productive day. Here's what I accomplished. You know, I'd rather people go home knowing whether they've won or lost or played the game today. What did you accomplish today that you were supposed to accomplish? So people ask me, well, how, you know, how can you describe the difference between being productive and being busy? And I liken it back to effectiveness and efficiency. Okay, so to me, efficiency is about doing things right. So efficient people want to make sure they get everything done right so they don't have to do it again without any necessary thought to, am I doing the right things? So you can get all these things done perfectly, but worked on all the wrong things that day. Okay, so to me, busy people go from efficient then to effective, whereas productive people go effective first, then efficient second. So if you imagine like the MasterCard symbol, right? So, you know, where the two circles overlap, in the middle is things. So effective is on the left and it goes, Effective is doing the right things at the right time for the right length of time, then doing them right. And that's productive left to right. When we go right to left, which is busy, which says, I'm going to do all these things right, then I'll worry about whether I did the right things or not for the right time, for the right length of time. Wow. Okay, so that is to me is how I work through. Do you go from left to right, from productive so in the sense of effective to efficient, or do you go efficient, then worry about being effective? And I would challenge all the listeners out there right now, focus on doing the right thing at the right time for the right length of time, then make sure you do those things right. You'll be far more productive with that. And you, I don't know if you picked up on it or not yet, Kim, but when I talk to people, when I share things with people, I, I share what I, I call thought patterns. Here's how you should think, or here's how I you know, think you should think. Um, where here's how I think, because I know from human behavior that how I think determines how I act. So we can always address people's behavior. And we do that in performance. You know, you think about all the performance reviews and performance things that we do in organizations of people. We attack the behavior. We never worry about going to the deep underlying thought that drove that behavior. So what I work with people on is here's some ways to think differently that will cause different actions or different behaviors. So if you think left to right, if I think effective first, efficient second, you know, I could say stop being busy. B 
become more productive. That's me addressing behavior or saying, hey, if you think effective first, efficient second, all of a sudden I get that thought pattern, then I will start behaving in that way anyway. Okay, so that's how I work with people in that space. But that's my overlapping circles of effective and efficient. Yeah, Mike, you can drop your mic now. Yeah. Doink. Yeah. <laughs> you actually had me reevaluating some things I went through in the last week, but I'm not even going to go there. Listeners, okay. think about your last week. Dave, where can people find you online? Because I know listeners want to know. Okay. So certainly as my Twitter handle, which we've shared, um, is profit for the, so that's P R O P H E T number four purpose. Uh, but my Instagram is the same, but it's profit F O R for some reason I couldn't get the F O R purpose on Twitter. Um, but so I have profit F O R purpose on Instagram and also my Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com backslash Profit, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-F-O-R-P-U-R-P-O-S-E. So Profit for Purpose. So it's only the number four in Twitter. Um, and the rest is just F-O-R. So there are uh, two easiest ways to get hold of me. Or you can go to DaveClaire.com, D-A-V-E-C-L-A-R-E.com, and uh, check out my website there. I do lots of blogs, and you'll see links to everything. I'm on YouTube as well, which... I won't go into that, but you can get that from my website uh, and have a look at that. I post a lot of content, do a lot of live streams, share. I, I, mean, I, I want to give as much value as I can to people. I, it's part of my mission to create and inspire. Um, so please uh, take a look at the content. Say hello. Say I heard you on Kim's amazing positive productivity podcast, and uh, I'll give you a shout-out back. And I'm happy to answer any questions anybody has about what you've heard on today's show. Just shoot me a message, and I'll, I'll respond. And every response you get is actually from me. I don't believe in these automated responders. So That's fabulous. Not, not necessarily a productive way to go about it, but it's uh, personal and to me, and that's, that's important. Right. And as you already said, you, wanna, you really want to touch them. So now you are. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Again, listeners, you can find the show notes and the full transcription at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP112. Thank you so much, Dave, for being here. This has been uh, just as enlightening, this conversation, as it was for our first conversation. And I look forward to very many more. Yeah, and, and thank you for the opportunity to share with the listeners. And, you know, once again, I, I, I love, uh, you know, educate to engage. So please engage with me, message me, question me, challenge me. If anyone has any other ideas, I'd love to hear them too. I, I'm not a, I'm not immune from learning because I do this for a living. I, I would love to hear other people's take and insights. I'm sure that you have such a vast audience that people tell us some ideas. Help, let's share the love, let's share the learnings. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.